Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. So, you went on YouTube and learned how to fix a leaky sink. Now you're an expert. That's cool. But now your mind is a fury of possibility. What else could you learn? What if you could fix a sink? And while you learn to fix a sink, you learn to control your tongue. That's not easy. And then, by controlling your tongue, you could learn to control your road rage. Then, by controlling your road rage, you could have more patience with your neighbours who are throwing junk over the fence into your yard. And now, with more patience, what if you could learn how to stop raging at your roommate for leaving dishes in the sink? And, and then, with less rage, what if that girl who said, nope, was now like, maybe? That would be really cool. Then, what if you learned to stop drowning your problems in Amazon purchases and started living on a budget? And what if, with less stress, better relationships, more patience, and a control on your tongue, you begin to see that God is actually real? Or you could just learn to fix a sink. This is a letter about your life from a man named James. It's the whole truth from the half-brother of Jesus. This is your masterclass. Morning, 9 a.m. How you guys doing? Let's celebrate being at church together. I'm so glad to be with you. Everybody with us online, we love you. We're thankful for you. Um, if you're sitting on the Kenai or the Kasilov, we have a little hatred towards you. But no, we love you. We're grateful for you as well. Um, thank you for being here today. If you're brand new to ACF, um, man, I'm just I'm thrilled that you're here with us. We are in a series called Masterclass, and we're walking through the book of James together, and it is all out summer in Alaska. Man, I'm loving it. It's like in the 80s right now, and so we're trying to get the air flowing in here a little bit. If you migrated from 11 a.m. to 9 a.m., thank you for doing that, by the way. We've kind of out of room in our 11 a.m., which is a great problem to have. And so um, I love that people are coming back to church and uh, that we're starting to gather together again here in person. And um, the online thing is a great way to connect with each other, but at the same time, um, there's nothing like a like an interpersonal relationship, like a real face-to-face relationship where you actually get to see somebody. And so, um, yeah, thank you for just kind of being here and leaning in. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about this next season for us as a church and, and for our community. I think God is preparing us and positioning us for some pretty great things coming up into this next year. And so uh, we are walking through this uh, series called Masterclass. And, and if you've ever taken a Masterclass, basically somebody who is skilled at something uh, teaches you what they know, and it's kind of like a crash course in learning. Uh, and, and so that's really what the book of James is. And, and we know this letter is written by the half-brother of Jesus, and he's giving us this insider information on how Jesus lived, and, and he's really teaching us to follow in the footsteps of Christ. What does it look like to win at life? Well, it looks like living like Jesus as best as we can, uh, just kind of following the words of Christ. So that's what James is, is showing us and teaching us. Here's what it looks like to practically live out your faith, a faith that actually works. And that's what we talked about last week. Really, the hinge point of the book of James is that James is teaching us how to have a faith that works in, in a society where a lot of people would say, spirituality doesn't work for me, or, or the Bible doesn't work for me, or faith doesn't work for me. James says, no, there is a way to live this out in such a way that it leads, leads to, to more joy and more peace and more wholeness in your life. And so that's really what James 
is doing for us. And, and so th- this week, uh, I've entitled Heart to Mouth. Heart to Mouth. So I'm just going to start off with this. Is anybody here willing to admit that once in a while your mouth gets you in trouble? Anybody? Okay. So every, awesome, awesome. You guys are so honest at 9 a.m. I love that. So I, this happens to me all the time. In, in fact, so uh, a few weeks ago, I posted a picture on the internet um, that, that could have gotten me in a lot, tr- a lot of trouble with my marriage. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's the picture. Now, I want to explain it for a second because you're like, well, what's this about? In fact, Amanda's running the slides today. She's like, why did you put a picture of me in front of everybody? So I put this picture out, and uh, I, I put a caption, and the caption said, my wife, she's so pretty, and she also functions well as ballast. Now, <laughs> as soon as I put this out on the internet with that caption, I started getting texts and, and, and things from people that are like, hey, bro, do you need the number for a good marriage counselor? And other guys like, hey, before your wife murders you, can I get my tools back? And things like that. I'm like, what's going on? And I get, I get back on, and I'm like, I, I read what I said, and I'm like, oh, I guess the word ballast is not the most flattering word to use to describe your wife, right? And so luckily she loves me. She knows me. She gives me a lot of grace. And so thank you, sweetheart, uh, for, for just understanding what I'm trying to say. And she balances me out, right? So, so uh, but I'll use different words next time. So if you're a guy in the room, you know what it's like to say the wrong thing. Or maybe you're a gal here and, and you know what it's like to, to just, you just spoke without thinking, and there's just so much power in, there, in our words, isn't there? So much power in what we say. And I think we have all put our, foot, our, our feet in our mouths at one time or another. And James is going to talk in this section in chapter 3 of the book of James about our mouths. And he's speaking to this crowd of people that are really struggling with this. This crowd of people where there's tension in relationships, tension between one another because they're not controlling what they say. And their words are hurting the church. They're hurting each other and so I would, I would just say that this is a message for us as much as it was for them. If you're here today and you're like, I'm not even a Christian, uh, I don't believe what the Bible has to say, um, this is still important information for you. And so this is just a freebie for you. Whether you believe that this is the Word of God or not, I promise you it is true. And it's going to, I think, challenge all of us. So open up to James chapter 3, if you would. We're going to read sort of a large section of Scripture here today as we start off. Um, you can also download the AC of Church app, and all the text will be there as well. But here's what it says. James 3, 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human, can we take it back? Yeah, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So I think we could all just go home, right? Like after a text like that, all right, I, I know I've got some work to do when it comes to this. We all need to take a look at our words. 
I don't know if you've ever uh, read what the prophet Isaiah says about words, but here's what he says in Isaiah 6, 5. He says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So Isaiah had had these encounters with God. He encountered God, and when he encountered God, he realized... He realizes his unholiness. This is what happens when, when you encounter God, the first thing you realize is like, man, I've got some problems. I mean, God is holy, he's pure, he's perfect. And, and, and for, for Isaiah, the, the, the issue that he drilled in on when it comes to his problems was about his tongue. It's about his lips. He lives in, in this community of people also with unclean lips that we say things without thinking. We speak without really considering what it's going to mean to the people around us. I don't know if you know this, but your words carry a lot of weight. Like what you say really, really matters. You are way more powerful than you realize, which is why um, you can think back to something that was said five years ago, 10 years, years ago, 20 years ago, and you can still remember it to this day. Words matter. They're powerful. And in fact, uh, different people's words carry different weight, right? I mean, depending on who you are in somebody's life, it carries a different amount of weight. So if I just meet you today or you just meet me today and we're speaking to one another and, and maybe we challenge one another or say something, but we don't know one another, have a relationship, there's not a whole lot of weight there, right? I mean, you can say, Brian, your, your sermon just was terrible today. If I don't know you, I'm like, sweet, bro. But if you're my wife, or if you're a good friend, or if you're another pastor, and they're like, Brian, you just blew it. Like, this was a mess today. That's, I'm going to take that to heart. I'm going I'm to feel that in a deep way, the same way you would hear a word from, from me if you don't know me and be like, I don't know if it really matters, but, but if we know one another, if we have a relationship, and, and especially if it comes from the Word of God, there should be authority there, and those words can ring true in our lives way beyond that moment. Or I'd say it this way, that your words don't not only have content, they have consequences. Like, like what you're saying has content, right? You think about what you're saying, but what you're saying actually has consequences. It moves beyond the moment in people's lives. Now, now there's been a, a bit of an evolution when it comes to our words, right? A journey that, that, that we've gone on as people in terms of our communication, right? Um, I don't know if you ever remember writing letters to anyone. Did anybody used to write letters to one another? Uh, I used to have a pen pal growing up. That just seems like a really old word, but I don't know if anybody has pen pals anymore because we just uh, type to each other, but I used to have a pen pal, somebody I'd, I'd write letters back and forth to, and I remember getting excited to go check the mail and find a real letter, right? And then in the 1830s, Samuel Morse invented something we came to know as the telegraph, right? And all of a sudden, we could communicate faster and farther, Right? So there's this journey that we've go on, gone on. And then in 1876, right, Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone and everything changed. All of a sudden, in immediate real time, we could communicate. We could say things and speak things that would impact other people's lives. And then in 2007, something important happened. Do you remember what it was? The release of the iPhone, right? And then everything, Facebook uh, hit the scene. We started communicating really quickly and really fast. And we can, we can see news in real time across the world. We don't have to wait for the morning paper, right? So, so this is the world that we live in. And you combine that it's easier to communicate than ever with the elections that we've had, with the cultural shifts that are going on, with COVID-19. And what's happened in the past year is that we've all been getting schooled on how not to communicate with one another, Right? 
We've all seen the damage of people spouting off words without thinking about what they're saying. And so the first thing I think we need to acknowledge is we get into the book of James. If you're like, man, I don't, I don't think that the Bible has a whole lot of relevance. Trust me, it does. Because today, we are using more words than ever. Do you know this? More words than ever. In fact, I ran across some statistics this week as I was just kind of running around on the internet. Here are some statistics. Over the past year, people around the world posted 500 million tweets. That's a lot of words, right? Sent 4.5 trillion text messages. I see some of you. You're texting right now, right? Like you're, you're just trying to keep up with your group text and what's going on with mom and what's going on with the family and where are we going after church and what's going on with lunch. Always communicate. We sent 3.6 billion emails. And in terms of the content that we're consuming, we watched 500 million hours of YouTube, right? Some of you are like, 499 of that is me. I'm just like on it all day long watching YouTube. Our words are multiplying exponentially, right? And so, so that is all true, but what we also need to realize is that our words are more careless than ever. Not only are we speaking more words than ever, we're actually becoming more careless with our words because the ease of communication has caused us to just lay it all out there without thinking. And you know that, friend, who just puts it out there, right? They don't even think about what they're going to say. They don't think about the implications. I'm sure it's not you. Um, they think about, they, they just put it out there. They don't even think about what's going to be the impact Again, words are powerful. You are stronger than you realize. You have this thing called a tongue, and that tongue has power. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Think about that. Death, life, in the power of the tongue. So what do we need? We need to ask some questions, right? As we deal with this, we think about what am I saying? What are the words that come out of my mouth? I need to think about this. If death and life are created with the tongue, then I need to ask myself this important question. I want you to do this today for yourself. Are my words creating life or death? As you speak, are people coming to life around you? Are they leaning into the calling that is in them? Are they pursuing what God has for them? Or is there death that comes from your words? Do you see people kind of losing vision, losing focus, feeling worse about who they are and where God has taken them? I can think of a lot of moments in my life where people have spoken to me. I'm sure right now things are popping in your head. I remember when my dad said this or my mom said this or this friend said this. And and, and honestly, we remember the negative things more than the positive, don't we? I mean, if you think about that for yourself, just realize that's the same for the people around you. We remember the negative. I mean, they they stick in our brain, but once in a while, somebody loves us enough to speak something life-giving into us, right? I've got some friends, I won't um, say their names to embarrass them, but um, back in 2014, I stepped into this role as the lead pastor at ACF, and I was terrified, and I'm still terrified Every single week I get up here to share the word of God. And, and, and I was just stressed about it. And I was thinking about um, how, how I just, I, I want to do this well. I want to lead well. I want to serve well. And I felt really insecure about my abilities. And some close friends of mine, they were, um, they were planning on being here, but then they ended up getting PCS'd with the military. And I will never forget what they said. They, they might not even remember that they, that they said this, but in passing conversation, they were lamenting about the fact that they were leaving Alaska 
and, and they were bummed out that they weren't going to be around. And, and these are people that know me really well. And they said, one of the things that we're most um, discouraged about is that we're leaving and, and you're taking over this position. And here's what they said. They said, we were so excited to follow your leadership. And I will never forget that. Like that, those words in that moment gave life to me. Those words in that moment, they, they encouraged me when I needed it. And, and, and it's funny, you can, you've probably said things that have, that have done that for somebody and you didn't even know it. You just, man, because you, you just, God speaks through you and you want to encourage and so you do. And then there's also moments where you've said something without thinking and you just crushed someone. What I've learned as a pastor is that I can do this really easy without realizing it. Um, I've learned that like our, our words do carry different weight. And even just in my position, I've learned that my words can carry extra weight where I'm in a meeting and I'm just talking and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm saying something critical about something that we're doing as a church or man, I think we need to do this better. I'm just saying how I feel and somebody leaves crushed. Not because somebody else said it, but because I said it and it just carries a certain weight. You have that in somebody's life. I just want you to know that. There's a friend that looks up to you and when you speak, they're listening. There's a child that's listening to you, and, and, and your words are piercing into their soul. This is how it works, the power of the tongue. So what do we know about words? A few things as we even look at the scriptures. The first thing we know about words is that our words take on flesh. They, they literally take on flesh. As you read Genesis 1, what did God do to create the world? What did he do? He spoke, right? He spoke and the world was created. Jesus, we know as the Word became flesh, right? The, 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 he, was, he was the Word of God in the flesh. Our, our, our words take on flesh. And so what this means is that, I don't know if you know this, but you were created in the image of God. It's pretty cool. Maybe nobody's ever told you that. That you, are, you actually have intrinsic value because you were created in the image of God. That's something to behold, Right? So what that means is if when God speaks, things are created, when you speak, things are created. They take on flesh. They actually, like, they, they actually go into somebody's life and they turn into real things, that our words become real things. The second thing we know is this, that our words create feelings, don't they? Maybe you can't remember what somebody said to you 20 years ago, but you can remember how they made you feel. You can remember your emotions in that moment, whether they were good or bad. Feelings are extremely important. In fact, I was reading the study this week that was talking about how uh, we get wounded in life. Everybody's got a story of a wound, and some of those things are physical wounds, but many of them are emotional wounds. They're things that were said to you at a certain point, right? I know a lot of ladies have, have this moment in their life, somebody said something about your body, and they spoke it in a way that was degrading to you, and you will never forget what they said to you. And even to this day, that wound is still there. It's open and it's bleeding. And you can feel it when somebody says something, anything like that. Or when you look in the mirror, you still feel what was said to you 25 years ago. Our words can create feelings. And in this study, they said that we actually, I don't know if you know this, but that we, we never grow beyond the age of our deepest wound. That you might physically get older, but it was just talking about how we've got all these 50, 60, 70-year-old men and women who are still emotionally 12-year-olds because we never grow beyond the age emotionally of our deepest wound. And so if we don't go back and get healed up in those places, we will never mature. We will never grow. And I don't know if, you, if you've even considered this, but, but we don't want to just get past our past. We want to move through it. 
We want to heal those wounds. Sometimes it means digging up old memories and difficult things so that we can let the the words of God infiltrate our life and not the broken words of mankind. Because people will say things and they will do things and I have said things and I have done things that have hurt people and so James is trying to help us see the power of our words. Another thing about our words is that our words reverberate into the the future. They have a power to impact not just today, but this, this reality, if they take on flesh, that this can impact generations to come. It's amazing. One statement, one word that, that hasn't been thought out can impact generations to come. Be careful what you speak into existence, because you might just see it happen. Married people, listen to me. If in your arguments you are constantly talking enough about divorce, you might actually get one. As parents, if we tell our children over and over again that they're never going to amount to anything, they might just not amount to anything. If we choose to withhold affirmation from the people we love, they will go and seek affirmation, sometimes from people who don't love them. And so we need to look at this and go, what we say, what we do will reverberate into the future. So James is going to first, as we get into verse 1, he's going to, he's going to challenge the talkers, which that's me, by the way, because I'm here speaking today. Uh, verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with the greater strictness. 2014, this is a verse that was just ringing in my ears. Not many of you should become teachers. Be careful with that. Be careful with becoming someone who speaks a lot. And I can't tell you how many times I have spoken, even from up here, and been like, ah, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I said that right. And there can be even this fear, like, there's a judgment for me as I get up here and expound on the Word of God, and there is a, there, there's something to that, that there's a, there's a judgment from God. Some people read this, and they're like, oh, I'm going to help God with that, so I'll judge you more strictly. That's not what's being said here. It's not you who's the judge. It's God who, who's the judge. So I don't ultimately care a whole lot about whether or not you love my sermon, but I do care a lot about whether or not I stand before God one day and he's like, hey, uh, you honored me with your words, or man, you were trying to build yourself up. You were trying to create something for you. Like, you, this was not about me. Like, I care a lot about that moment. There have been moments where people even come up to me after a message and have completely misunderstood me, and I, ca- I carry the weight of that. You know, I remember one lady came up one time after a sermon. She's like, I know that in your sermon you said that if we keep sinning that uh, we can't go to heaven, but um, I'm just wrestling with this thing in my life, and I'm like, whoa, whole stop. Hold on. And I was expounding on a passage that was talking about those who inherit the kingdom of God and those who don't. And it's like, no, no, grace, 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 grace. She didn't hear grace at the end of the sermon. She didn't understand the grace of Jesus, saved by grace. Uh, And so I I had to kind of like, oh, I might have blown that. Like maybe I didn't communicate like I wanted to in that moment. So we have to be careful as teachers. And now James is going to talk about what God gave us words to do and the power of those words. Verse 3. I'm going to run through this a little bit quick. He says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So he's going to use this illustration from something they understood in their culture. Everybody's riding horses. You may have never ridden a horse in your life, but if you've ever seen someone very small on a horse, it's an incredible thing. You ever seen like a little child on a horse? They can, they can actually control this whole animal with a bit that's in their mouth. And what he's simply saying about your words is that what we say will steer people. You can actually direct people by what you say. You can, you can guide them towards things that will give them life and towards things that will lead them to death. And so you put this small thing 
in the, in, in, the, in the mouth of a horse, and yet it controls this massive thing. Again, we're not talking about lots of words. You don't have to say a lot. A little can make all the difference in the world, right? Because some of the things that have been said to you, if you look back, you're like, I don't remember a whole lot of words, just, just a couple. But that's all it took. In fact, uh, one of the most uh, famous and historical and iconic speeches that have ever gone down in, in history was uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a, I Have a Dream speech. Now, does anybody in the room know how long his speech actually was? Any guesses? Five minutes? Twelve? Ten? Sixteen minutes. One of the most iconic speeches that has just reverberated into history was 16 minutes long. These words really sparked and, and moved forward this movement. So just a few words, the right words, at the right time can make all the difference in the world. So he talks about bits, and then he goes on and starts talking about ships, which i got to say that right, bits and ships. Don't screw that up when you're preaching. See, be careful speaking from the front. It's a pastor. I'm going to screw that up in 11. I know that's going to happen. Bits, and then he starts talking about ships, and he explains how ships have this small rudder. If you've ever been to Homer and seen these massive boats pulled up out of the water, you can see this huge boat. I don't know how many thousand pounds it weighs, and yet this very small rudder controls a massive thing. Once again, something that they were very familiar with. And he takes something that they understood, and he said, hey, can you believe that something so small can have such a big impact? Uh, in, in the book, Words Can Change Your Brain by Dr. Andrew Newberg, who's a neuroscientist, and he also wrote it with Mark Robert Waldman, who's a communication expert. They say this, which is just crazy. They say, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. Isn't that crazy? One word can affect people at a genetic level. Tell me that doesn't reverberate into the future. Tell me that doesn't steer someone's life and even possibly their children's lives. Once again, there is power in the tongue, power in what you say. Let's go to verse 6 in James. He says, The tongue is set among our members, Staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and then he gets pretty intense. And set on fire by hell. You're like, okay, it's one of those sermons, right? This is the hellfire and brimstone sermon. No, James is literally, I mean, he's being real about our mouths, and he's, he's, he's relating it to fire. And so I actually brought, I brought a lighter, right? So um, many of you have these. Lighters, people got smart at some point. I don't know who designed these, but they added a childproof option so even adults can't figure it out, right? But you got to get your, th- you've all done it, right? Bunch of smokers in the room. So you got to get your thumb on here and you got to like, there you go. So you can, you can light it. And so James is like, your tongue is like a lighter, and now I know there's some fires down like on the Kenai right now, and, and this is a, the dry season in Alaska, and you think about how it's always something very small that lights Alaska on fire, right? Some kind of spark out of a catalytic converter on a vehicle, or somebody lights a fire and, you know, doesn't put out every ember, and then the wind picks up. Something very small can light a big fire. So this is the imagery that James gives us. Hey, hey. Hey, like we're all born like this. Like we're all born with a lighter in our mouths. And it's like just this little spark, which that's when, you, when, you, when you hit it, it's just this little spark, and then the gas hits the flame, and then all of a sudden it grows, and then it can grow, and it can grow. And, you know, it's crazy because, like, if you're a parent, you don't let your children play with lighters, right? Some of you do. You're like, I, I don't care. But, but most of us, 
Most of us don't let our children play with lighters. Why? Because we don't want them to burn the house down. And James is saying this like, hey, with a little, little word. Like a single word can burn your house to the ground. Some of you are like, I feel that. I felt that all growing up. Mom would say something and the house would get burnt down. Dad would say something and the house would get burnt down. Something would be said in our home and I would feel it for, for weeks because our words were so careless. Little things can cause a great amount of destruction. And, and here's the thing. He talks about being set on fire by hell. Man, that's pretty rough. But he's literally saying that like our words can be influenced by heaven or hell. You can, either, you can bring heaven or hell into a situation by what you say. And ultimately, the whole book of James, and I, I don't want you to get too caught off, and off, off, the, off track with this, because the whole book of James has been about a faith that actually works, like a faith that results in a changed life. The whole book of James is not about, hey, just fix these parts of your life, and then you'll, you'll get better. He's trying to show us, hey, I want you to be transformed from the inside out. I want you to actually give your life to Jesus Surrender to him as Lord and leader of your life. And when you do, everything else is going to come along. You're going to serve more. You're going to love more. You give more grace to other people. And so don't get too caught off guard here and go, well, I just need to fix my words. And, and, and although, I mean, we need to be, a, be aware of them, but we want to get to the root of the issue. Like, what is actually causing this? Why do I say what we say? Why do you say what you say? Why do those words come from your mouth? I think at the root of this text... Without even saying it, here's what he's saying is that what we say reveals our hearts. It shows us something about who we are. I think we've all said something and regretted it later and been like, man, I I wish I hadn't let that out of my mouth. What we say reveals our hearts. Maybe you said these words, I didn't mean it. Man, I I just didn't mean it. It just came out and I I didn't mean it. It's It's not really where I'm at. The problem is this is not how the Bible speaks about our words. The problem is we do mean our words. And that's why it's so important that we control what we say. And, and ultimately, we can't even control what we say if our hearts aren't changed. This is what James is trying to communicate through the entire book. Is like we have to come back to what is leading your life. What actually indicates who you are as a person. Luke 6.45 says this, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So whatever your heart is full of it, flows from your mind or from your mouth. What we think is like, it just came from my mind. We think I just thought something and I said it, right? We say this this way. We say, I, I spoke without thinking. But what the Bible says is that what you say comes from your heart. There's something, something twisted, something wrong in your heart and it comes out of your mouth. When I was a kid, I remember I'd go to the doctor and you sit down the doctor's office. He'd kind of be checking you out and then we, he, would, he would say the same thing every time. Hey, stick out your tongue. Remember this? Which I was always like, super weird. Like, what are you going to know about me by sticking out my tongue? What are you going to learn? You're, you might be a doctor. You might know. But there, there's, there's something that the doctor is figuring out by me sticking out my tongue. Like, somehow my tongue is an indication of the health of my body. It indicates something about how I'm doing as a person. Now, this is a lot of doom and gloom, so I know you're like, man, I'm glad I woke up to go to church today. But James is really, he's speaking kind of on the negative side of this thing, but I want you to know the tongue is not always set on fire by hell. Some of you, your tongues are set on fire by heaven. And, and, and our, our vision in, in the church, you walk by it every, every time you leave this building, it says, in Alaska, as in heaven. 
Like we literally want to see it be in heaven as it is in Alaska as it is in heaven. And so when we get this, and some of you, you're, you're, you are great at this. And you get, a, you get a bridle on your tongue because God has transformed your heart and given you love for people that you should hate. When that actually happens, your tongue starts to bring heaven to earth and not hell to earth. You actually give life to people and not create death in people's lives. I was thinking about another moment in the Bible where there, was, there were tongues that were represented. And in the New Testament, there's this moment in Acts chapter 2. If you remember this, the Holy Spirit comes on the church and then they start speaking the words of angels. And then 3,000 people get saved. Amen to that. So the tongue is powerful, and it's not all bad, but hear me on this, that words propelled by the Holy Spirit can lead to healing and restoration and revival like you've never seen. I really believe that. And in ACF Church, I want you to know this. I think that we need this more than ever right now. I think that we as God's people moving into the future, and this is for church people who are here in the room, if you're a believer in Jesus, I want you to know this, that we need to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever right now. Like, we need to be okay with that. Some of you are like, if you're like me, you grew up in sort of a, maybe a very traditional background or a Baptist background. We didn't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for my upbringing, but I, I, I'm learning that as I, as I move forward and as I study the Word of God, that we can't do anything we hope to do without the power of the Spirit. And if, if we just saying earlier, God of miracles, like, I do believe God is moving. And I do believe he's working. And I do believe that he's, he wants to do that stuff in our midst. And it's, he's going to show up as we speak the things that God plants in our hearts. And so as much as you can speak about negative things, speak about divorce, speak about things that, that will actually tear apart a marriage, you can speak life into a marriage and actually heal a marriage. And man, I'm, I, if you're not praying for our church, start praying for the marriages in our church because we've got some marriages that are struggling. Like right now in the summertime, it's a weird time because it looks beautiful outside and yet there's some real life happening behind closed doors right now. And so what you say does matter. James moves on and he kind of says something that seems a little bit weird, but once again, he's speaking about somebody who is not propelled by the power of the Spirit. And he says this in verse 8. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. You can't do it. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So, again, he's not saying this is hopeless, because I read that at first, and I'm like, well, then why do I even try, right? Thanks, James. We're all just going to screw this up. But he says, no, no, no. He's just saying that, once again, if you're not propelled by the Spirit of God, if you're not filled with the love of God, you cannot give love to others through what you say. And so you cannot tame your tongue and be full of poison. If you're full of poison... It will come out of your mouth because, once again, your tongue is an indication of the health of your body. If your tongue is sick, your body is sick. And he's using this idea of, like, taming things. Some of you are dog people. We don't have a dog. One day we'll get a dog. We have children right now. So we'll go children, then a dog someday. That's my idea. So some of you are dog lovers, and you, you train your dogs to do incredible things. One of my friends in college trained his dog to go get a beer from the fridge. It was amazing. Like, this is really cool. He could actually do it. And so he had to kind of prop the door open and leave it open for him, but the dog would go fetch it. Anyway, um, amazing stuff. Amazing stuff that you can train your dog to do things like that. And he's kind of poking fun at us. Like, like you can train your, your dog to go get a Coors Light from the fridge, but you can't control your mouth? You can't tame your tongue? You can do incredible things and tame lots of different things, but you cannot control your tongue. Now, so far we've been talking about the talkers and people who speak a lot. Some of you are in the room and you're just like, good thing I'm quiet. 
I'm so, I'm good. This ain't, this sermon's not for me because I'm quiet. I don't say anything, right? I just sit in the corner and passive aggressively like tear people down, right? <laughs> and I know some of you are that person and don't know elbowing in church, but some of you are that person where like you don't say lots of words, but you, you know how to just say a couple words and completely deflate someone, right? Somebody shows up and they're like, man, I just love my job. And you're like, I hate my job. And you just like suck a little wind out of their moment, right? Just so you know, I, I hate what I do. So that's good. Good for you. Glad you love your job. <laughs> Somebody performs really well at something. You know, they get up and whether they're playing sports or maybe playing the band. And man, they just, they did really, really well. And you're like, man, that was so good. You know, like it wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, like it had its flaws and all. But like, man, you just, you did better than you've ever done. That's great. Good for you. You know, somebody came up to me a couple weeks ago, and they were like, hey, you look just like you do on TV. And I was like, what do I even do with that, right? Like, you are an accurate representation of yourself. Okay, great. Is that a compliment? How should I take that? I don't know. Some of you know how to strategically undermine the leaders above you at work. And you have the meeting, and then you go and you have the meeting after the meeting, right? And you pull people together, and you go, man, I know. Man, he's trying really hard. But we, we both know he doesn't see or she doesn't see it the way it actually is, right? And so you don't use a lot of words, but you undermine. You don't come out and just cuss people out and scream in traffic, but you strategically undermine other people. We've all got the one-upper friend, right? They can't handle that you had a good day. They have to have had a better day, right? A friend of mine two days ago texted me, hey, we're catching 10-pound salmon on the Kenai. And I said, we're catching 15-pound salmon on the Kasilov. I just couldn't handle it. Had to be the one upper. We're doing better than you are. Uh, I just, as I was thinking about this, I wrote this down. Maybe, maybe you want to write this down, but I was just kind of going like, where is this coming from? And 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 I think I was just thinking, what's what's sick in our soul that flows from our, our mouths in those moments? I can't handle somebody doing well or somebody just giving an encouragement with no strings attached and, and just helping someone to enjoy something. What's wrong with that? And I just wrote this down. Our bitterness, pride, and identity problems will always come out of our mouths. Our bitterness, pride, and identity problems will always come out of our mouths. When we tear down others, oftentimes here's the deal. We have to tear down whatever threatens or inflames the unhealed trauma in our hearts. Somebody doing well, it inflames that part of you that's just like, I'm bitter about my life. It's not like I thought it was. You see somebody's picture of like, hey, uh, 20 years happily married. You're like, I wish I was happily married. Block, right? Done with you. It's inflaming. Like you have to be more aware because you're speaking things and you're doing things, but they're flowing from somewhere. And oftentimes I think that they're, they're flowing from this unhealed trauma in our hearts, something was said to you. Something is spoken to you. Maybe it's not from somebody else, and I just consider this. Maybe it's from you. Uh, what kind of words do you say to yourself? And I don't want to get too self-helpy here on Sunday morning, but there is something to the words that you allow you, you to speak to yourself. When you leave every moment in, in every situation where you're being tested, and you're just like, you blew it, you blew it, you blew it, you're terrible, you're terrible. And trust me, I'm the worst about this. I'm the worst. And I've had to grow a lot in this because for years, I would get off this stage every Sunday morning and I would just go tear myself down. 
tear myself apart. You blew it. You're terrible. Man, you messed that up. Oh, you didn't do it right. And at some point, I, 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 it felt like humility, but it wasn't. It was actually pride. It was my inability just to say, I'm going to trust that God's going to work through me. I'm going to trust that his word is empowered and that, man, people are just going to walk away with what God wants them to walk away with. It was just my pride that was keeping me from moving forward in, in, in getting healed. James 3, 9, continuing forward, says this. With the tongue, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. So, last thing to write down. What we say is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. You're like, man, what I said last night did not sound like worship. It was, actually. It was. It was either worship of God or it was worship of yourself. It's worship of your trauma. It was worship of what somebody said 20 years ago. We are always worshiping with our mouths. He talks about cursing. He's not talking about cuss words or sorcery in this moment. He's literally saying this, this word cursing is the same word that Jesus uses uh, in Mark 11 when he curses the fig tree. You guys remember that story? He curses this fig tree, and what did the fig tree do? It withered and died. He's like, out of the same mouth are words of blessing to God and words that cause people to wither and to die. James says, how can you bless God on Sunday and then speak like that to people on Monday? How can you stand here and sing, God of miracles, and then go out here and speak like you do in the car on the way home or at work tomorrow? And I was really wrestling with this because James, he, does, he speaks about all this, then he just moves on to a new topic. He doesn't, he doesn't say, and here's how you fix it, and here's how you move forward. And there, there wasn't a whole lot of hope in this text, but, the, but I, I came back to verse 2, and verse 2 just said this. James says, we all stumble in many ways. Don't miss this. You will stumble in this. You will say things that you regret. I have said so many things that I regret, but stumbling isn't fatal for you. It doesn't have to be. If you're willing to trust Jesus and to, to confess and repent, because that's, that's all we do. When we stumble, we have to go to those people and say, man, I'm just, I'm so sorry for what I said. And we have to be willing to, to have those awkward conversations. Some of you need to go and, and, and fix something that you said 20 years ago. I've done this. I've, I've had the weirdest conversations with people where something stuck in my mind, and maybe it's happened during the message here today where you're like, that crushed them. And I was just joking, or I was just saying what I felt, but they are crushed by this. And I keep telling them, get over it, get over it, get over it. But my words crushed them, and so I have a job to do. That if my words were used to create death and not life, that I can't keep defending my words. I need to go give some life. And so maybe you need to give some life today and go help somebody heal some trauma. Maybe you caused some trauma. Maybe you need to go to somebody and, and ask them, hey, what did you mean by this? Because this wounded me. Th this was painful for me. And, and I just need you to know that when you said these words, something in me died. It was a curse in my life. And I just, I promise you, you can break these curses the curse of the words. You can break the curse of the words through confession and repentance. We can't just do better. You can't just fix the tongue. That's what James says. Hey, you can't just tame the tongue. So how do we change what we say to our friends, 
to our husbands and our wives, to the people we work with, I think this is at the root of all of this. You begin to believe what God says about you. I don't think you can do it until you, until you go back to that. When you believe what God says about you, you will celebrate the victories in other people's lives. You will cheer them on, man. You're just going to be at the, at the edge, man, getting no glory, loving every second of it when you believe what God says about you. When somebody says something that could inflame your anger, man, you just know you want to you let it out, and you believe what God says about you, and you realize, well, their words don't ever carry the authority of God's words. When you believe what God says about you, you will start to create life instead of death. So if you want to pull out your action card here today, uh, that was on the seats, and, and uh, on the way out, you can just drop the, that on the basket, and the basket on the way out. It's just a way that we take a step as a church family every single week, uh, because we don't want to waste our time here, and, and uh, we're going to text you this week a little bit of an encouragement um, to move forward with whatever it is that you sense God is asking you to do, and it's just a way that we keep the conversation going um, when it comes to our words, because trust me, we all have some application on this one uh, on Sunday morning. So maybe today, you just need to begin an honest relationship with Jesus, and we always want to give you a chance to do that every single week. If you're here today, and Maybe you've been looking in on the outside and you're like, dang, man, the Bible is pretty relevant. (laughs) Hit me in the soul today. Well, that's because God is here and he does speak through these words and and he loves you so much and he wants to speak words of life into you if you'd be willing to receive them. So maybe today you you just need to take that first step. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness for your words. Uh, You know what you said. Man, everything in you says don't apologize because of what they said to you. But don't let their unforgiveness or unwillingness to confess stop you from confessing. Make it right. Bring life. You can set a new course for your house by simply being the first person to bring life to a broken situation. Number three, maybe I'm going to track how much I encourage versus discourage others. Another study I was reading said that it actually takes five positive words to balance out one negative word. And I was thinking, man, that's bad because I've been always just kind of shooting for equal, right? Had a really low bar in my life. Like, ah, I know I said something negative, I was critical, I was harsh, but like, hey, add a boy on something else later. We're good, right? It's just not how it works. Especially when it comes to people who are listening to your words. People who, who love you, who when you speak, like they're really listening. Um, it's going to take a lot to get out of the hole but here's the good news. It's possible. It's, it's really possible. Last one is this. I'm going to start each day using my words to worship. Maybe that's, the, that's part of this journey of, of healing your, your, your tongue. As James says, hey, your words are worship. So, so maybe you start each day and you say, I'm going to use my tongue to worship God so that when these words of cursing and hatred flow from my lips, they taste bad. I literally, I think that's how it works is that the more we worship with our tongue, when we say things that don't seem like worship of God, that don't honor him, they start to, they start to taste bad. You ever said something that tastes bad? You're like, ugh, I can't believe I said that. That's, I, mean, I mean, we get to this point where we say these horrible things enough that they don't taste bad anymore. We're just used to saying these things. And, and I think through worshiping with our tongue, God will give us a, a new appetite for saying things that bring life to other people. And so check that box, whatever it is, and then just drop that in the basket on the, on the way out if you would. Would you stand up? I'd love to pray for us because God knows we need some prayer on this one.
Father, we cannot control our lips, and we want to admit that. And thanks that James acknowledges that we all stumble in this and uh, make mistakes when it comes to our words. I want to pray for the man or woman here today who um, has words that are just seared in their mind. God, we know we may never get an apology. We may never get the moment where somebody comes back and says, hey, I'm really sorry, or I didn't mean that. But ultimately, God, we believe that your words carry more weight than any other human being on earth. So, Father, would you imprint and and replace those words that have been spoken to us with your words, that we are beloved, that we are cherished and loved. God, that you created us the way we are. Um, God, that we're all very different, but we are all deeply valuable because we are made in your image. God, would you replace the self-hatred and self-loathing with just your love for us? God, and and I want to pray for the person here today who's just deeply convicted that their words are just causing people to wither up and die. God, would you you cause them to see you in in a fresh and, and real way? Would you heal the words that come from their mouths, from all of our mouths, so that we could bring life to the people around us? Thank you for your words that you spoke from the cross. Father, forgive them. Thank you that those words have reverberated into the future and that today we receive those same words. God, that you really can speak forgiveness and we really can receive it. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.